Welcome to Dry Clean Only, conversations on fashion and style. I'm your host, Kristen Cole in New York. I'm a fashion consultant with 20 years experience in the industry as a high concept retailer, fashion director, founder, and buyer. I'm here for all the conversations around the many changes in fashion right now. And that's what I'm bringing to you on this pod in each episode. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so today, this is episode number 18, where I have the pleasure of speaking with Christy Kaler, an industry veteran, founder of the highly disruptive, super innovative, first of its kind, zero waste circular fashion brand called For Days. While some people in the industry obsess over NFTs and the metaverse and other fine distractions, others are doing the highly critical work of rethinking our very imperfect fashion ecosystem, which is why I'm so excited to learn more about what Christy is doing with For Days in terms of circularity, sustainability, and tackling the massive fashion waste problem head on with her Take Back Bag. For Four Days is offering Dry Clean Only listeners a promo code through the end of August, and that code is DRYCLEAN15, all caps, for 15% off all products, minus the Take Back Bag and third-party brands. Um, I'm personally really into their kids basics, which are super cute and really well-priced and the teas and tanks, um, all made with organic cotton, responsible production. And yeah, a really sharp, really, really sharp price point. Uh, I first read about her and what she was doing in Vogue. And then I kept hearing about the brand. So I'm really excited to learn more. Our $2.5 trillion fashion industry produces an estimated 92 million tons of textile waste annually, which every second is the equivalent of one garbage truck full of textiles going to landfills or being burned globally, which is you know pretty shocking. Uh, fashion Revolution is a great resource to learn more, as is New Standard Institute. So anyways, the um, four days take back bag is a really exciting step in the right direction for getting your fashion waste to the right place. So before we jump into the interview um, and all things circularity, a few things. It's the end of July. It's deep summer. The days are beginning to stretch. Uh, Resort 23 collections just came out. The shows are wrapped. Uh, The standouts for me were Jill Sander, which looked really incredible, Uh, Tom Brown and Batsheva, which had some new uh, dress styles that I really loved. Uh, The spring 23 New York Fashion Week calendar was just announced with many of the regulars um, on board back for a pretty packed schedule. Some new brands will be showing and the exciting addition of Italian brands Fendi and Marnie on the schedule. Everyone's talking about the economy right now, you know, kind of holding their breath, see what's going to happen in terms of retail. Uh, If we're headed into a recession, if we're in a recession, we are seeing what happens, kind of hard to tell right now. Everyone's also hating on Instagram. (laughs) Seems like all of the changes into the, you know, more video and, you know, so many more ads and suggested reels are, you know, kind of bumming people out. I know I've been frustrated by not seeing, you know, my friends' feeds, not, you know, nearly as much. So we'll see what happens there. And Balenciaga just released yesterday a t-shirt that'll serve as a humanitarian fundraiser for Ukraine with 100% net profits of the 200 euro T going to United 24 to rebuild Ukraine. It does ship to the U.S. and you can find more on their Instagram. 
And so now on to my interview with Christy Kaler of Four Days. Welcome to the pod. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to meet you. I Your brand has come across my radar a lot lately, and it's really strange, kind of all, all at once. When did you, did you start the brand? Well, that's good news. That means yeah. our efforts are working. Yeah. Uh, we started in 2018. Okay. So it's been a bit of time, but we've had, it's been a journey. We, well, it's also been two real years and then all of these, ooh. whatever these years are. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Whatever these... I don't even know if we can call it post pandemic. I know. I know. I'm always like, we're in some realm of it. It's, it's a better time, but who knows? You never know what's next. Um, You're in Los Angeles, right? Uh, Used to be in LA. I'm actually in Florida right now. So yeah, we moved to be closer to family. I have a little three-year-old. So we're on the beach and and experience that lifestyle. And then in process of moving back to the New York area. Awesome. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. We, um, we moved during the pandemic. I have two small children mm-hmm. and we moved from the city, from the West village. And, you know, we were kind of bi-coastal and in Texas, you know, lots of things for work, but we moved out to the beach in Westchester mm-hmm. and it's phenomenal. I mean, I have sand That's in amazing. my house all the time. My kids <gasps> go to the beach every day. Love it's it. really sweet. Uh... It's really sweet, but we can still be very, you know, I pop in but... just for like a lunch meeting and come back. Like it's not a big deal. That's wonderful. I have yeah. been looking all through Connecticut. Yeah. Well, there's the thing, you know, lots of people, of course, you know, moved out of the city during the pandemic and I definitely have friends. Yeah. All the way up to Connecticut and it's I'm kind of a little gem. This is exciting. Like off topic. All right. So you've been, you've been at it for a minute and, you know, I mean, for me looking at this site, I mean, you know, such sharp prices, such an interesting, amazing, sustainable concept but it's also a great, you know, just kind of basics line, like the line that I've wanted since American Apparel went out of business so many years ago. And I loved and hated that company for various yeah. reasons, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but the sharp price point and, you know, cute basics was, was a selling point, especially, you know, for me in my twenties and all of yeah. that, where did this, where did this concept come about for you? Yeah, it started, it's kind of a culmination of being in the industry for over 15 years. Frankly, I, you know, I started early days at the Gap, um, Gap Corporate, grew up there, great experience, learned the ins and outs, got to launch and grow businesses, highly entrepreneurial, and really saw firsthand kind of, I would say the impact our industry has and spent a lot of time in our supply chain in Asia. And I was like, you know, when you're writing orders for a million (laughs) t-shirts, Yeah. And then you go see how those t-shirts are made. You start to connect the dots. And it's just, for me, it was one of those, I think we need to take responsibility. It's a massive industry, 1.5 trillion. Especially working at that scale and in in the companies that have that kind of, you know, yeah, you just, you realize like the employment component, the, the footprint, the consumer kind of responsibility, all of those things. And um, ran product red for gap for a little while. Mm-hmm. And that for me was just the first and only mission and purpose-driven kind of business I could get my hands yeah. on. And it was a first of its kind and it was incredibly innovative. And to me, I was like, this is the future. We have to do this yeah. as core and central to strategy. And so I actually, prior to, uh, four days had a luxury startup called Mayette. Okay. Um, and we worked with, yeah, we had a store on Crosby street. Uh, mm-hmm. we built an artisan supply chain in developing economies and mm. designed a beautiful 
collection that was cohesive and elevated that we sold to places like Barney's and Net and Neiman's and Saks and all the fabulous stores. And that was, you know, really kind of shifting perception of what purpose and mission could truly look like, that it could be beautiful. It didn't have to be products sold at Whole Foods or the flea market. Like, you know. I know. I love that psychic shift that's going on. People are starting to see sustainability as, you know, something that is also chic and designer and luxury and not, as you say, a farmer's market, you know? Yeah. It's not a farmer's market buy, um, or something you got on holiday and you get home and you're like, wait, what did I do? (laughs) So that was, you know, a tremendous experience, but I, I started getting involved in circular economy conversation. So sat on cradle to cradles, first fashion positive leadership team and started doing some work with the world economic forum and, Mm -hmm. and Ellen MacArthur. And I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. this idea of circularity is very powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's regenerative. It's, we think about the raw materials that we take and put into product and the majority of those end up in landfill. And you're just like, why, why are we doing that? Why can't we create something that's more comprehensive and connected? And when you start to think about it, it's, it's because we have this linear business model. Yeah. People know how to make money by selling us more and more stuff. And that's right. it. And like, I know. Back and it's just more and more and more. And the psychology of that is just entrenched in our life. I know. I know. That's and one of the I, many reasons why I, I don't, as much as I loved being a retailer for so many years, you, that's exactly it. You only know that scaling and more, 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 more. Is, and you're just you know, how, it's you, like, how you make it, the business work. And I just, I didn't want to do that anymore. I, well, pr- same. Same. I was like, I can't be in the business of more, more, more anymore. (laughs) And what I was seeing happening that I thought was very powerful. And I think in, in my own journey, I'm, I'm just naturally very customer centric. Like I Mm -hmm. like the psychology of consumerism and what motivates us and what makes us happy or sad Mm -hmm. or, you know, pay more, pay less. Um, I was just seeing an emergence of a desire to, to access things versus own them. Yeah. And this idea of owning things for forever is, is great for certain categories of products, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, things wear out. They, they, they have an end. We don't have a system to help people take care of that responsibly. Yeah. And there, therefore it piles up in our homes. Yeah. We donate it and it ends up in landfill. And I just saw that as a real opportunity to catalyze a new relationship yeah. to the products that we use every day to do that responsibly and through a regenerative ecosystem. So and, interesting. and those products specifically that wear out, you know, we yeah. have, we have a good solution in the resale market that's emerging and that's great, but that's for high-end products, lightly used, you know, it, it exactly. No, I sell with the real, modern. real all the time. It's not yeah. everything. It's, you know, it's, it's not everything. It's, and like, is that you, you've kept really in good condition. And that's exactly. And then you think about pajamas and socks mm-hmm. and t-shirts yeah. and sweatshirts and like and kids clothing. I mean, kids, I'm so glad you have a kid's category because yeah. I do this all the time. My boys, they run through stuff so fast and I'm not going to donate something with, you know, holes in the knees or, you know, something that looks really trash. So you're like, what is this now? So now what do I do with it? And they go so through so fast. Exactly. And so that, that's really why four days was born. I felt very passionately that we needed a, a new business model. We needed yeah. something that could drive circularity and therefore eliminate waste, be regenerative, engage the customer and drive profitability. Yeah. And it's like, oh, great. Of course we can see that future. Yeah. <laughs> Figuring it out's a lot harder. No, it's um, com- very complicated. It's, yeah. it's complicated. And I think it's, it is that relationship that we're building with the customer um, mm. that is most important. And how yeah. are we providing a service in addition to great products that, that starts to shift that use and that recycle cadence. Um, time. No, it's really exciting. Yeah. It's obviously very disruptive, but you know, it's, we, we all can't keep doing the exact same thing because it's not working. So 
regardless of how challenging this is. And I'm sure it's very challenging. It's, you know, it's the right idea, at least to get out there and try something from a completely different angle. Yeah. I think that's right. It's it's playing within the realm of familiarity and shifting things gradually that I think actually creates transformation. And for us, you know, the the product category being basics and essentials and this Mm -hmm. kind of effortless style, as you said, is familiar. You're like, Oh, I I like those things. I want a lot of colors and a great crew neck Mm -hmm. t-shirt or a tank top. And, and so that was our entry point intentionally so that the price point was accessible. The product was accessible. It felt familiar. And then we can start to shift our relationship. And these are the things that people are replenishing all the Mm -hmm. time. As much as I don't want to, I somehow am always buying a new t-shirt and, you know, it's just like, you go through these things. Um, Where do you do most of your production? Is it in LA? It was in LA pre-pandemic and the town shut down. And we were kind of faced with holiday and we were Mm -hmm. like, what do we do? And we had just started a a relationship with a vendor out of Spain Mm -hmm. who produces primarily in Morocco. And it was an interesting opportunity because they're highly verticalized Mm. and they've invested in recycling technology. So it was like Mm -hmm. kind of this weird, perfect map. And so we started slowly and we built the majority of our our production and supply chain um, alongside them. We have a few other vendors in, in different areas that do specific categories. Like we're, we're launching denim this fall. We are exploring knitwear with another vendor. We do some linen in different places, but the core of our Jersey is done in Morocco and Mm -hmm. um, it's allowed us to really infuse higher content of recycled material uh, sooner than we would be able to otherwise. And then it also allows us to work on that post-consumer full cycle recycling that we're doing now in anticipation of a a pretty big launch later this year or early next year. Yeah. Explain the the buyback bag and the closed loop collection. I was reading about it on your site. Yeah. So the, the, the take back bag is something that emerged out of a a real customer ask and need, Mm -hmm. which has been so great to see it just flourish. What we realized in the system in a perfect world, you know, we, we build a great portion of your lifestyle and with circular products that you can recycle when they wear out. Yeah. That takes time to both build that collection for people and then also have them wear out and come back exactly. in significant volume. Yeah. But what, what we realized in talking to people and talking to customers is everybody has too much stuff today and they don't know what to do with it. And yeah. we were like, what if we took responsibility for that and actually funneled it through the right channels to ensure it stays out of landfill? In today's yeah. world, 85% of old textiles end up in landfill. When you send stuff back with us through the take back bag, 95% stays out of the landfill. That's incredible. So it's a, you know, it's a pretty significant yeah, shift. And exactly. so, and it's a service for the customer. And so with that, it's like, okay, do this today. Start yeah. your circular habit today. Mm-hmm. I know you have too much stuff hiding in your closet. So like yeah. this camp, it's not hard. Yeah. And we give credit for that. And then you can start your journey, the circular products and come oh in and gosh. say, okay, great. I'm going to start my t-shirt and, you know, my kid's pajamas. I'm and- sending you bags like, <laughs> like so many people, I have really reduced my closet. Yeah. I don't, I don't need an archive. <laughs> I work in fashion. Oh I don't need right. a, you know, I'm like, I just don't care anymore. So I really have gone through like my cedar closet mm-hmm. filled with designer and it's now down to like, I don't know, maybe two racks. Like it's yeah. so much better and more manageable. And it's the stuff I really wear, not the stuff like Oh, I could wear if I'm like in Paris doing this. like, it's just like, <laughs> no, I'm just over it. So yeah. it's been wonderful to get out pieces that other people can enjoy, but there's all the other stuff that is not in great condition. And, you yeah. know, 
mostly my kids stuff, but yeah, I have like old sweatpants and like, what do you do with that stuff? So this is very exciting, especially for the things that you're not going to run over to a, you know, clothing donation for a crisis or, you know, something that can serve someone in need. Well, precisely. And I think, you know, the the reality of that is that even when we donate, I say like, I know way too much about the content and economics of used clothing because we take so much of it back now. And so we can kind of analyze what's, what's in that bag. And when we look at it, we do a very um, thorough sort and grade on it. So we grade up to 250 grades, which is important because it means that that used clothing is getting to the next best life. In some cases that could be low end resale. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. sometimes that's international resale, which is a very complicated ecosystem. Yeah. And then, you know, for a lot of impact reasons, and I can go into those, but, and then some of it's downcycling, it can become insulation or carpet padding or, or various things. But what happens is when we dump product onto donation centers, only 5% of that product is actually viable for resale. Then we're burdening them with this trash. And we're like, I read a book. Um, I'm sure you've, you're familiar with it, but um, Unraveled by Maxine Bedard. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, it was really interesting. And that was my first time, I guess, getting some more of the numbers and more granular detail about the life cycle of our uh, fashion waste. It's yeah. really shocking. It's, it's, it's shocking. Consumption is increasing and it's mm-hmm. not slowing down. And, and, you know, I, I try to work within the realm of today yeah. and how do we start solving problems immediately mm-hmm. um, while building for a better future. You totally. To Tell me, yeah. um, did you go to fashion school? How did you get into fashion? I went to engineering school. Okay. I an engineering degree. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I did a painting degree alongside it. I went off and did a design uh, concentration while doing my MBA. So um, I have always just kind of had this like artistic side to me and, and a very interesting kind of design. Yeah. But it, it, for me, it's, you know, it's as much, I think design problems are not yeah. just creative problems. They're human problems. And that's yeah. really fun when you're thinking about systems design, like Big in time. our world, you know, there's a product component of it. I have which a great is book for you. Let me see if oh, I have it on my desk. <laughs> Um, hold on. Let's see. What is it called? It's by Jenny Odell. She wrote one book called how to do nothing, which is just really interesting. It's about the, um, uh, attention economy, but this one Mm. is called, it's the commencement speech she gave at Harvard Mm. for their design school. And she's like an artist writer, but it's exactly what you're saying. It's coming at design from a, I think, very creative point of view. I'll send you the book name. I would love it. I would love it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I think that's just how I, how I think about the world and it's very interconnected and it, there's, there's always a cause and effect and a knock on effect. And I think, um, I love the creative element of, of personal expression and product and making it beautiful and making it fit and making the fabric great. And that's just satisfying (laughs) to Mm -hmm. get it right. Um, But then I, that, that kind of systems and engineering brain is the, is the connected, the connected bit. So did having kids change how you feel about climate change or sustainability? Did it increase your uh, commitment to it? Or was that, was that commitment already there? It was pretty, it was pretty solid, rock solid. Um, I think, yeah, I think climate is actually also, it's very clearly a human problem. And, Mm -hmm. and I I just have a deep empathy. Um, I think particularly for marginalized communities and often that's where hubs of production exist and they not only bear the brunt of that 
entire like industrial ecosystem from, you know, conditions and wages and labor and all those things, but like climate affects them in a greater degree than it does anywhere else. And and so I think when I was even working on the red project for gap and just thinking about like the, the AIDS epidemic, and then the fact that we were trying to produce in Africa to Mm. help with economic conditions. Mm -hmm. And there were actual people saying, well, why would you produce there? People are dying of AIDS. And you're like, like, yeah, you know, and so it just, it's crazy. It's that, it's that like human component that connected, I connected with very, very early on in my career. And I feel like the, the climate conversation is is just a bigger extension of that. Think about the fashion act. Are you following that? The New York fashion act? What do you think? What do you think that's going to do? I don't know what that's going to do. Um, you know, I think it's great. I think it's great that it's, it's putting, uh, fashion sustainability in a legislative conversation yeah. in the US and I think we're behind like Europe yeah. is you know bound leaps and bounds ahead yeah um and so that's good if yeah. if, if nothing else <laughs> like yeah. and at least it's like okay this is a topic we can mm-hmm. formulate legislation around yeah. and that's important because but I just think there's needs to be so much more yeah of course. <laughs> and I think and and I really and this is just where I sit in my journey with you know fashion and sustainability, supply chain transparency and impact is a component and that's mm-hmm. important. And that's, yeah. that's like a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And as long as we're producing as much as we're producing and we're not taking responsibility for the end of life, like it's not going to solve our problems. I and know. so um, it's going to help, I hope, yeah. but a lot of larger organizations, here's I, at least in my experience and it's imperfect and it's incomplete, but even back in the day, like working with a company like Gap before sustainability was a, a thing, it was monitored and, and watched and, yeah. you know, the, the impact wasn't intentionally bad. Right, right. So I think we have an overproduction problem. I think we have Big an excess And an overconsumption problem. Yeah. Everyone is consuming too much and nothing in our media suggests that this is going to stop. You know, it's, it's continuing to be buy more, more, more. It's never, you know, by better, by less, which is the real deal, you know? Yeah, no, it's not. And because people haven't figured out how to make money on buy better, by exactly. Less. There's so many shifts going on. What do you see as some other like big shifts that are going to happen? I do think up, I call it like upstream and then reverse supply chain. I think the upstream supply chain has a lot of focus on it right now, which is yeah. good because yeah. we do need better dyes, better water yeah. stewardship, better yeah. land stewardship, all of those things really, really critical. Yeah. So I think that's shifting and I yeah. hope it's shifting at scale, yeah. which is great. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of conversation around recycling innovation, which I think people consider that to be the answer to circularity and that's incomplete. So we have to design for circularity. We have to build, build systems for circularity. And yeah. there's just a, a lot of opportunity on the recycling side that we have today that yeah. is not being invested in. And I hope that that's more of a, an ask. I hope yeah. that shifts, you know, yeah. like, let's build mechanical recycling um, in hubs proximate yeah. to large markets. Like why are yeah. we not doing that? And so totally. you know, those are things that I, I think about. So I think consumer awareness is shifting and that's really exciting. I don't totally subscribe to awareness and priority of values shifting yeah. consumer behavior yet. It's like language, you know, it's out there and these words are in the lexicon and people are understanding it, but it hasn't really had, yeah, that behavior. I don't shift. see the dollars shifting. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, transparently the role we hope to play, Yeah, which is if we can give an alternative that yeah. hits the mark on all those other kind yeah. of 
emotional tenets, then we can start to drive demand in this direction. Well, and that's the um, thing. And, and, and that's why it's, it's so difficult, you know, also with so many voices from publications to influencers to how people, you know, receive their recommendations, but, you know, if more dollars can go into responsible companies and producing responsibly and yep. offering a high quality product, you know, it's like if more people can put their dollars and just say, I know this is better alternative than fast fashion, you know, yep. it, it's just such a easy yeah. shift. So I hope, I hope more we people, more but so many it. people don't know, you know? Well, well, that's the thing is like, it's still relatively small yeah. to the rest. And it's like, we just need more of it, more options. What brands and designers do you love in your, in your personal style, in your daily life? My daily life has become so, so much simpler. Yeah. <laughs> Similarly, where I'm totally. just like, I don't really consume a lot of fashion anymore. It's, it's really a fascinating shift. I mean, some of the you know, oldies, but goodies, I have always loved. I mean, like the Lombans of the world and the yeah. Dries of the world yeah. have always been huge favorites. You know, I, I really admire, and this is more of a business. Uh, I've been talking a lot about what Comte de Garçon has done as an yeah. entire business, smart. And, I love that entire group yeah. and ecosystem. I've yeah. always worn a lot of comb and Junia, the Dover street yeah. market model from a retail perspective is so smart. Yeah artful and inspired. I just, I just, I admire I love it. Brand I too. Love it. When you lived in LA, what neighborhood did you live in? I lived, well, I've lived in a couple of neighborhoods. So I've done both East side and West side. I did Silver Lake and Los Feliz originally. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then we, when we had our child, we were in Brentwood, okay. which I called it like bougie and boring. Totally that worked. That's the, <laughs> that's the trajectory though. In LA, I, <laughs> I lived in Silver Lake and Echo Park first. And then when my husband and I got you know, pregnant, yep. started having babies. We moved up to the Hollywood Hills to mm-hmm. um, Nichols Canyon, uh, which was lovely and, you know, yeah, very, very pretty, very sweet and nice, you know, for young kids. Um, but yeah, I love LA and I spent many years going back and yeah. forth um, between New York and LA and it's, yeah. it's a good spot. Do you yeah. get back there often? Not as much these days. I'm in New York a lot. I mean, I was in New York for eight years before yeah. uh, LA and so similar, you know, kind yeah. of have an, have a love and an affinity for both cities in very, very different ways. I've been, I've been just in New York more for whatever Same. reason. What are some of your plans for the the future of the brand? Will this become a marketplace, a larger offering, you know, outside of basics? What, what are your different kind of growth avenues? Yeah, we really are trying to, to provide more of a lifestyle option for our customers. Mm-hmm. I think once they buy into this behavior, it's like, well, let's yeah. do more. And, you know, I, I always say to people like, don't you want your whole life to operate this way? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great. That's the big, big vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, we are actually working on a marketplace expansion. Um, that'll happen through throughout the end of this year, uh, really bringing thoughtful products into the mix, mm-hmm. but everything works in the same system. So we have yeah. this application we've built, we call closet cash and it rewards you for your circular habits. And so it's buying circular recycling, sending us to take back bag at all accrues a little bit of this currency around circularity. And then you can spend that on circular products. And so it's creating that virtuous cycle to try and shift those demand patterns toward the the products that we can verify and validate. And then you can recycle them all through us. So, so that's, that's really, you know, the vision it's let's build this ecosystem and do that in partnership with the industry. I don't aim to replace all the product in the world. There's some amazing product out there. Of course, Let's play our role, which we've kind of defined Mm -hmm. um, and then go, 
build community of, of brands and creators and retailers to, to yeah. really provide the customer with that lifestyle. Yeah. And you're providing inspiration and guidance for other companies to start to look at circularity in a new way. It's true. And it's, it's my, one of my favorite parts of my job is talking to other brands and saying, yeah. how can we help? You know, yeah. what can we do? And even if it's just me answering some questions because you're mm-hmm. contemplating something, I'm fine with that. And like, totally. I met this wonderful woman who actually works technology company, but has her own online vintage yeah. company. And she was like, oh, what do I do? That? You know, it's like yeah. just helping her figure yeah. out how to totally. do that is really no, that's wonderful. Cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and really being able to do this for a larger ecosystem, like an even bigger yeah. impact. Yeah. Do you, do you have a relatively high volume? Is that how you have achieved such good prices or? Uh, we engineered it that way. Okay. I mean, I had my sites set on accessible price points. Yeah. Um, no, like a $32 t-shirt yeah. is organic cotton and it's I mean, really beautiful. Pretty fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's a really nice quality. Um, yeah, we did that on purpose from the beginning. I was yeah. just like, we have to figure out how to do this because of the alternatives being so expensive. And I also intentionally yeah. wanted to build a business that could scale. And I felt like we needed to understand consumer behavior at that price point. Yeah. Um, a big piece of what we do is figuring out what incentive is needed to mm-hmm. encourage the customer to do this and how big or how small or yeah. you know what that looks like has taken us a lot of time to hone and figure out. And so um just knowing too, you know, the segments of the market being so big in the millennial and Gen Z categories, like how, how, how do you, how do we, how do, how do you we build something cater that? to that audience? Yeah. yeah. As they're growing. I think that's really marketable. Um, just having a sharp price point for basics for kids. Yeah. yeah for kids oh, wonderful. And, and, and the service component, you know, the, the ability to, to really alleviate this burden of stuff. Yeah, that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Oh, this has been my really, pleasure. really nice yeah. learning more about the brand. And I wish you a ton of luck with what you're doing. It's really uh, very inspiring. Oh, well, thank you. I look forward to staying in touch. Have All a right, good one. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.